Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres Rodriguez, personal finance expert, speaker, writer, and business coach. I teach women of color how to build wealth and gain financial independence through side hustles and investing. On this show, we're serving up POC-friendly personal finance knowledge, always with a side of sass. We're talking about how to make dinero, how to keep it, and how to make it grow. If you're ready to become poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to another episode of Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. This is your host, Janice. I'm super excited about today's episode. As an online content creator, I'm always thinking about ways of protecting my business. And one of the main ways that you can do that is by using trademarks. We're going to be talking to Taylor Tiemann. She's an attorney and founder of Legal Miga, an accessible legal service membership created specifically for small business owners and entrepreneurs. She assists and advises her clients on how to legally protect their brands, services, products, and content through the effective use of preventative measures and legal strategies. Taylor operates a virtual law firm based out of Los Angeles, California, and specializes in trademarks, contracts, copyright, podcasts, and business formation. She's currently a member of the Latina Lawyers Bar Association and the Mexican Bar Association. All right, Taylor, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. For sure. So I love your content. I found you on Instagram. Like I find so many of the guests for the podcast. And I love that you are an attorney and especially an attorney that is specializing around the small business and entrepreneur space. So I am an avid believer and supporter of entrepreneurship. And so 
you know, it sounds really nice and exotic to like own your own business, but there's also a lot of legal things you have to take into account. So I'm super excited to talk to you about that. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it because it's it's not always the fun and flashy stuff, but it's really important. Absolutely. I feel like legal stuff and accounting is what keeps your business in uh, afloat. So mm-hmm. it's important to talk about. Mm-hmm. So why don't we start off with you introducing yourself to the audience? Of course. My name is Taylor Tiemann. I, how long have I been an attorney? Almost five years. And I currently run my own law firm representing small business owners and entrepreneurs. Um, I actually opened my law firm a little over a year ago just because the typical law firm big firm life was not for me. So I've been running my firm from my home office now and it's fantastic. I love it. That's amazing. You are legit living the dream. (laughs) (laughs) It might like look like it, but there's a lot of, I mean, I'm, you know, as an entrepreneur, there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes that people don't see, but it's got to happen. For sure. Yeah, that's exciting. So I want to talk to you first off about what your relationship was like with money growing up. Did you come from an entrepreneurial background? Tell me about it. I do not really have an entrepreneurial background. Um, I don't really, I don't think we have anybody in the family that owns their own business. Um, And I went to law school thinking I was just going to be working in law firms pretty much my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I never was that person that was thinking about opening up my own business. And I had friends, I remember having conversations with them where they would say like, do you ever want to do that? And I was very, very definitively, I said, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be responsible for that. (laughs) But here we are. Um, The, I guess the, 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 benefits of entrepreneurship um, kind of came after as like a second kind of icing on the cake situation for me. I really just wanted to be able to work with clients I could choose um, Mm. and, and just run things how I wanted to. And then realizing that being an entrepreneur does have its perks. (laughs) That was awesome to find out. So it's, definitely something I'm going to stick with as long as I possibly can. Awesome. And so would you say that part of the reason that you went to law school was because the money aspect of it, was that something that was important to you from a career standpoint? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely wanted to be in a field where finances were hopefully not going to be a problem and that a steady income was not guaranteed, but you know, everybody thinks of like lawyers and doctors making a lot of money. So I went into it assuming that I would come out with a job that paid me a lot of money. And I did not come out of law school into that six figure, amazing job market. Um, just, there wasn't a lot of openings available. I ended up working for smaller law firms for the first couple of years. Um, and it's a, it's a lot of work and not that, you know, you don't want to work hard for your money, but it's a lot. It's, I think it's a little misleading. Sometimes people think all lawyers just make a lot of money all of the time. And mm-hmm. <laughs> seeing what those salaries were coming out of law schools, a little disappointing seeing how much time and effort you put into law school and paying for your schooling and the bar exam and all that good stuff. Um, so I think I really just wanted a consistent 
income. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to, to be an attorney. Got it. So is there anything about your background or your upbringing that made that really important to you? Um, I think my, I mean, my dad has always been a really super hard worker. He worked his way up, paid his own college, um, is currently a president of a construction company. So I just saw that, you know, being able to afford to pay for things and pay for your, you know, your kids schooling and living in a, in a house and a nice house was going to be something that was important to me if I wanted to maintain a certain level of just like not, hopefully not a lot of stress. And California is a very expensive place to live. So if I knew I wanted to stay here, <laughs> I knew I needed to make enough money to hopefully be able to buy a home one day, still kind of working on that, uh, and just be able to maintain a lifestyle without having to really, really, really stress about money. Got it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I'm curious if we could talk a little bit about your law school experience as a Latina you know, law school is not a place that we typically associate with having like a lot of diversity. So what was your experience, what you expected it to be, or was it different than what you expected it to be? I actually chose a very diverse law school. I went to Southwestern Law School here in Los Angeles, and I think they rank as one of the top 10 most diverse law schools in the nation. So it was a little interesting to me to go from law school with our numbers being super, super diverse. And then you pop out into the legal field and the diversity is almost like non-existent. So that was really a surprise to me. Um, So I was kind of used to, you know, being around a lot of different people from different backgrounds, which was amazing because we all have different perspectives and, can connect on certain levels. And then you go into the legal field and you're like, where is everybody? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that was a really interesting dynamic from from law school to to being an attorney. Absolutely. I can totally imagine it's almost like a reverse culture shock because you Mm -hmm. you think coming into an environment that's going to mimic where you've been. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. This is not reality. (laughs) Yeah, it was very strange. Like, where did yeah. that go? <laughs> so let's talk about your journey before you actually spun off and started doing your own thing as an independent attorney. Can you talk me through what your, the five years in, or however long it was, what is it, four years that you were in corporate before you spun off? Yeah, I worked, um, I worked for a couple different smaller law firms right after law school, just because I needed to get a job. Um, and I wanted to specifically go into transactional uh, law. So kind of what I'm doing now, just like paperwork, filing, trademark applications. Uh, but the job market wasn't fantastic. And most of the positions were in litigation, which I found out later that I really didn't enjoy. That's not my cup of tea. So I did just kind of take a job in civil litigation, um, moved, for, moved a couple firms just to see if I still didn't like litigation or if it maybe it was just the area of law, but kind of found out that litigation itself was just not for me. I was kind of forcing it. Um, And I took one specific job. I was chasing a paycheck and it was just really miserable. Like the hours are miserable. The office politics were miserable. 
And I finally was just like, what am I doing? Like, what is, <laughs> why is this paycheck so important to me? And at that, that during that time I had three grandparents pass away in one year. And it just was like a heavy, heavy life check of like, what am I doing? What is going to make me actually happy? And how can I figure out a way to make money and be, and really enjoy it at the same time. So mm-hmm. kind of just worked my way into slowly trying to take on my own clients. Um, and that worked out well it's been working out for the past year and i hope it continues to grow that's awesome congratulations that is a huge milestone and something that so many people think about but are afraid to pull the plug on just because of fear you know because mm-hmm. at this point you're relying on yourself and it's all up to you whether you mm-hmm. succeed or you fail yeah yeah so as a trademark attorney i definitely want to dive into some basics because i get so many questions about especially from content creators, like when is the right time? If this is just a hobby, like, do I need to go through all that? So let me give you a couple questions that hopefully we can get through so that people can start to understand like what the benefits are of this process. So first off, can you walk us through the general trademarking process? Like what does that entail? Yeah, the trademark process, if we're looking at a federal trademark, which is usually what we would like to obtain a federal trademark is going to give us uh, nationwide protection for the trademark that we're using that's an application process with the uspto which is the u.s patent and trademark office so we have to apply with them to tell them what we would like to trademark we want to tell them what we're going to use it for what we are using it for Uh, And we have to show them that we're selling something or or attempting to sell something with that product or excuse me, with that name. So we have to be able to show them that legally we are able to obtain a trademark and then they do an examination of the application. They do a legal examination. They take a look and see if it is something that you can trademark. Uh, If it's not, they let you know. (laughs) If it is, they will push you through the rest of the process, which involves publication period where other people can oppose the application if they need to Um, and then hopefully we end up getting registered but the application process does take pretty long it's usually about seven to eight months minimum Um, but yeah it's it's a very it's a very long process and is, is a very legal heavy application even though sometimes it doesn't really look like it um, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes where the examining attorneys are looking at, you know, what you're trying to apply for and if it is something that you can actually get rights to. Okay. And so you mentioned the time length associated with it. Can you talk a little bit about the cost associated with trademarking? Yeah. The filing fees right now are between 225 and 275 per classification of goods or services. So when you apply with the trademark office, you have to let them know what it is you're selling or planning to sell. So they have 45 different classes, one through 34 are goods like products, and then 35 through 45 are services. So they categorize those and you pick and let them know what it is you're selling or what it is you're offering. Um, Each one of those classes is the filing fee, the minimum filing fee. So that's, if you file on your own, it's just going to be whatever that filing fee is, or if there's more than one of those. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for instance, since I have a podcast, I would be filing as a service, um, some sort of online or digital media category. 
right? Yeah. Yeah. There's okay. two different classes that podcasts can fall in depending on how it's being distributed. Uh, but there's different ways to kind of apply for that and protect it. Okay. And then what are the benefits or the negatives about using an online service like LegalZoom versus a dedicated attorney like you? LegalZoom, unless you, I haven't used them, but I've visited their website and I know from clients that have come back and asked for help, unless you click to add that extra attorney help, uh, they're not an attorney and they're going to, the disclaimers on the bottom of the website uh, LegalZoom is essentially a filing service. So mm. what they're doing is they're helping you file, but they're not doing the legal work where we're checking to see if the name is something you can trademark, to see if there's something, another trademark that's going to create a conflict or a potential hurdle for you. So just from things that I've, and sometimes it's successful. Like if your trademark is one that's never was going to have any conflicts in the first place, some people are very successful with LegalZoom and they're affordable. So that's why they're great. The only time it kind of is a, a bummer is if there's a, a legal issue that they come back with and then they direct you back to an attorney anyway. Mm, yeah. So it could end up taking longer versus having a, an attorney involved from the start. Yeah. But they are, they are very, uh, they're very affordable. Um, and you know, if, if that's what you want to go with, it's, it's definitely an option, but just knowing what they offer is really important. And I think, uh, you know, reading that little disclaimer on the bottom is, is a good idea. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So why is trademarking important, especially for content creators? Trademarks are important. It's kind of a twofold reason. The first and most important and what is most concerns me as the attorney is we really want to make sure that we have selected a trademark and that's usually a name. Uh, trademarks can also be logos or slogans, but we want to make sure that what we're using is not already taken by someone else. So the common response I get to that is like, well, I Googled it and I saw that nobody has it, or I have all the domain names and nobody else has it. But those things don't ensure that someone else doesn't actually own the rights, the legal rights to it. And it also doesn't ensure that the name you're using is similar or not similar to another registered trademark because trademark law isn't just about exactly the same name or exactly the same logo. It's about if something is similar enough to confuse the customers or to confuse the audience or to confuse the clients, that's where the protection is going to kick in because the trademark office, their main goal is to protect consumers. They're not here mm -hmm. to protect business owners. So if something's similar enough, then they will refuse it. Or if something is similar enough and someone else finds out and they actually have the rights to it, they could potentially tell you to stop using what you're using. Got it. So back to what you were saying, where there's different classifications or categories that you can trademark in. If there's uh, the same business name, but two different classifications, can that happen? Yeah, yeah, that can happen. That happens quite frequently. Um, one of the examples that we use or like to look at is like Delta Airlines versus Delta Faucets. They're both mm. using the same name, but they're different services. Um, so there, you can absolutely have the same name that someone else has, but it really boils down to what the services are mm -hmm. um, and if they're similar. And then also how unique is that name? So the more unique the name is, the more 
power that name has to be able to maybe potentially stop someone from using it on an office product versus something similar to an office product. Right. Like nobody else is going to get a chance to use Google. Like Google is Google and they will be forever exclusive to that name. Most likely. uh, (laughs) Yeah. The big, the big companies are very on top of their trademark rights all Mm -hmm. of the time. Yeah. I'm sure they have a team of of lawyers. Yeah. That's part of, you also, I mean, I know it from the, from the small business perspective, it's not fun to see big companies chasing down smaller companies with names that are similar. But as a registered trademark owner, you also have to do your due diligence to monitor your trademark and make sure that no one else is using something similar because that could essentially dilute the power that you have in your own trademark. Mm. So it's, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword there. So how do you actually go about monitoring that? It's just really like stalking people on social media or like <laughs> searching for people that are using your tagline or your brand? Yeah, pretty much. There's um, like... A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. The best way to do it on your own is to do like a Google alert or something similar to Ah. that. There's also monitoring services that I use that monitor specifically the trademark uh, Gazette, and that's where they publish new applications. So if you see that somebody comes in with an application that looks a lot like yours, you can have a system monitor it for you to alert you when something else comes in so you can do something about it. Oh, that's great to know. Thank you for that. Do you own your trademark forever? You have to keep renewing it. But yes, if you renew it, then you can. There's a five to six year period 
after you file your trademark and it's registered that you have to renew the trademark and you have to show the trademark office that you're still using it for what you were using it for that five to six years ago. So sometimes people drop it, sometimes people renew it. Obviously the bigger companies that have owned them for a really long time are gonna continue to mm-hmm. use them. But yeah, you can you can definitely renew it. And so if you're unfortunate enough to find that someone is using something that looks a lot like what you've trademarked, what legal ramifications or what recourse do you have? Typically you can, if you have the registered trademark, and it's uh, legally, there's actual legal recourse, because sometimes people ask if we can just send cease and desist, and it's really important to actually see if your rights extend far enough that you can tell someone that, hey, that's actually, I actually own that, or hey, that's mine, stop using it. But the recourse you have is a cease and desist typically, and that's your first step in telling somebody to stop. Then you can take it further with a potential infringement lawsuit. Uh, but you essentially you have rights to file a lawsuit against somebody who is using your registered trademark. Mm. And I'm sure, depending on the size of the company on the other end, the cease and desist might be enough to just discourage them to avoid a lawsuit. But you have to make sure you're following up because it, you know, they could say, "Yeah, we're going to stop using it," but you could find out later that they're actually not stopping. Yep. Yeah. The cease and desist is usually a pretty good, um, pretty good tactic because nine times out of 10 people don't even know that they're infringing because they didn't Mm. do a proper search in the first place. Mm -hmm. So usually they'll, they'll stop. That makes a lot of sense. All right. So what are some legal watchouts that content creators should be mindful of when they're creating or sharing content? So I always say to use original content whenever you can. I know it's really tempting to share other people's content, whether that's photos or their words or other posts online. Uh, But that's where we have to start really thinking about, do I need permission to use this? And then the permission has to be legally valid. Um, like For example, a screenshot of another person's Instagram. And then when you post it, that you didn't get consent to do that or permission to do that. So don't screenshot and just repost without consent. Typically, if we're talking like a screenshot on Instagram and reposting it, you can message the owner um, of the account just to ask if you could use it. Um, but always question where the content came from. Always question who is the original author. Uh, because copyright infringement is a big deal, especially with photography. I have seen there's specifically companies out there that assist photographers in tracking down unauthorized uses of their images. And if people are using photographs without permission, the company, I literally have seen them send out cease and desist demanding cash or they're going to file a lawsuit. And usually we're in a position where it's like, yeah, we did use it. And this is kind of a bummer. And we either have to pay this or pay a huge amount later. Mm -hmm. So it's just a really good idea to Create original content if you can, but uh, understand what you're sharing if it's not yours, what type of permissions we need. Makes a lot of sense. All right. So I am curious, I want to talk a little bit more about your entrepreneurship journey. So what are some struggles that you faced as like a first gen entrepreneur? Just being, I guess, the first one in my family to own a business. Um, my, I mean, my, my parents have worked for 
their entire adult lives. And they are, they're always there when I ask them questions about, you know, should I take this job offer? How do I negotiate this? But when it comes to like opening a business, that's a whole new can of worms. Yeah. Um, and especially I've, I'm the first in my family to be an attorney. So on top of that, the business side and opening up a business, it's, I, I've been learning a lot. <laughs> um, and I guess just trying to figure things out as you go and really making connections with the right people that are going to actually help you. Um, fortunately, there's a lot of mentors out there and I've done a lot of paid programs and I've also connected with attorneys that are, um, you know, just kind enough to share what they've gone through and just really reaching out, I think has been key in, in learning how to kind of run your own, I mean, yeah, run your own business. And I think asking questions is really kind of scary and intimidating sometimes, but everyone's always been really, really open and willing to help. So I think that's, that's a good thing. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I've realized as time goes on in my own journey, you don't realize the value of networking until you admit to yourself that you don't know everything and that it's okay to ask for help, right? Mm -hmm. I think especially as women, we are just so anti like, we don't need help, we're fine, we'll figure this out. But there are people that have been doing this. And I think I totally agree with you. It is so much harder when you don't have a reference point or uh, an example in your life that you can mimic. And so I think that's why it's even more important for people like you to exist and to be out there and doing this because by you literally just being you, you are becoming a beacon of inspiration to women who want to follow the same path, which is awesome. That's so nice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I want to know, what does financial self-care mean to you? means making sure I do what I need to do to budget and pay for what I need to pay for. And like at the end of the day, like rents taken care of and utilities and food. Uh, that's the most important to me. I think budgeting, budgeting is super, super key to making me feel like, okay, I am, I'm okay this month. I made enough money this month to, to continue <laughs> on. Uh, uh-huh. And even though like i it's not, it's really not fun to, to look at my budget sometimes because sometimes I do a little too much shopping online, but <laughs> to reel it in and be like, okay, well maybe this month that wasn't a good idea, but goals for next month, hopefully we can spend a little bit more here. But yeah, just really being aware of, of stuff. I'm really big on like to-do lists and task lists and being super organized. So financially just having a budget to refer back to all the time makes me feel a lot better. Yeah. And that's an essential skill for a business owner, right? Because you are in control of your paycheck size. You can't Mm -hmm. guarantee that any steady amount of money is coming in. And so you need to be very intimately involved with what's going on with your money. Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm curious, what advice would you give to someone who's ready to launch their own business? Maybe they've been doing the same thing you've been doing, working the corporate side for a while and they're just ready to take the next step, but they don't know where to start. What advice would you give them? I would just say if you really, really want to do something, just just like start, whether that's start small, like taking on, if you're a service provider, maybe try out, take on a couple clients and see how that goes. Um, or if you're more willing to like hold back and budget a bit to be able to launch something bigger, just start doing something because that's usually the best way to learn it's the only way to jump headfirst into something mm-hmm. just starting i'm really uh 
perfectionist with a lot of things. And I noticed that sometimes when I put something out there, especially if it's like content or a new idea or a new program offer that I that I'm doing, the ones that I spend the least amount of time on, everyone is way more interested in than the ones I spent so much time on. <laughs> it never fails. I'm like, okay, I guess I guess that's a sign. I need to just put stuff out there. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your actual game plan for when you decided to go off on your own? Like, did you say, I need to save this amount of money? Like, what was your plan? Yeah, I wanted to be able to save enough money that I could pay for my essentials like three months in case mm -hmm. the business was not going well. Yeah. Sorry, there's a car horn. Oh, Can you okay. hear that? <laughs> Should yeah. I keep talking? Well, let's give it like a few minutes. Okay. Okay, they just turned it off. Okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, I'll go back to that. Um, I gave myself enough of a budget and saved up enough that I could pay my essentials for three months in case you know I wasn't making a lot of money and my first couple months out on my own I was I honestly I was not making enough to sustain for an entire year and mm -hmm. I was like okay if this is all that's gonna come in then I don't know if this is gonna <laughs> it's gonna work but you also have to really really check in with yourself like I still really want to push at this and see, and I and I really believe in this, and I just have to keep pushing. And it ended up working out, but yeah, definitely. I mean, always like jump into something if you're ready, but don't go in blind. Like have a have a plan, have a business plan, have enough money to fall back on if mm -hmm. your business like goes under in the first you know couple months. I know a lot of businesses just started out like right when COVID hit. And, yeah. you know, the, the ones that planned for some type of disaster like that are were able to kind of push through and make it out. But there's things that happen all the time that we just can't control. Absolutely. That's why I'm such a firm believer in treating your business like another loved member of your family. You want to make sure that they are okay, like they have an emergency fund because especially if you're relying on that as your sole source of income, like you want to put as many risk mitigation plans in place as possible. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Obviously, could we predict a pandemic? Absolutely not. <laughs> no. But you can definitely predict like slower months and make sure you have some cash reserves on hand, especially as you grow as a business and you start to understand the cycle of the ebb and flow. You know, you can plan for that stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. So along your thoughts with mindset and um, just being in the right type of headspace to 
you know, channel abundance and make your business grow. What is your money or entrepreneurial mindset mantra? Hire help or hire experts if you really, really don't know how to do something. As a business owner, you have your hands in so many different things and you can't afford at the at the beginning to pay everyone to do everything for you. But mm -hmm. if it's something really important and something that could potentially mess up <laughs> your business long term, like hire hire an expert. Like I hired someone to do my taxes and accounting immediately because I just I don't like that at all. I'm not Same good at sis. it. <laughs> I hate that stuff. So I was I was like I need somebody to do that for me. Um, yeah. Everything else has just kind of been like do it yourself and trying to budget out when I can hire people to assist at what. Mm -hmm. But um, hire if it's something that makes you really uncomfortable. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it'll be worth it. And I have to totally agree with you. The two things that I will always be willing to pay for are my accountant and my attorney because mm -hmm. those are just that I'm not going to become an accountant and I'm not going to law school. Mm -hmm. So it's just uh, you got to pick your battles, right? Yep. Yep. Don't want to <laughs> lose those two. <laughs> Absolutely not. Well, Taylor, this has been an awesome conversation. For anybody who wants to follow you, where can we find you? I am on Instagram all of the time. So <laughs> my handle is LegalMiga, L-E-G-A-L-M-I-G-A. -E and then my website is www.ttmanlaw.com. And I am the one answering all my messages. I'm the one answering messages on my website. So if you reach out to me, that will be me responding mm -hmm. back to you. And tell us a little bit about Legal Mega because I love the name. That is so catchy. Thank you. It started out as the name for my legal services subscription. So I have clients that are on a monthly kind of retainer with me where they pay a monthly fee to be able to ask me whatever questions they want all month long. Uh, they get discounts on all my services. So it's kind of like a club or subscription and it started out as the name for that but it just really caught on and I found some people were like didn't remember my real name but they remembered legal <laughs> so I just decided to change it and just roll with it that's awesome and I think that's such a great way to potentially use legal services in a lower cost way right because mm -hmm. with that subscription model it's a way more affordable than just like paying an attorney outright um, and having like you know them charge you $500 an hour to talk to you yeah, the uh, the monthly fees are about half or half or less what it would cost to usually speak to an attorney for an hour. Mm -hmm. And that's just, you know, it makes it easier for me because I don't have to sit and bill every time somebody schedules a phone call or wants to have me help something and, and helps the clients too, because it's a lot more affordable for small business owners and budgeting and expenditures are really a thing to pay attention to early on and I know that as a entrepreneur we want to only spend a certain amount of money on certain things so it's worth mm -hmm. that that's awesome well I wish you the best of luck I cannot wait to see what you continue to do with your business and how you continue to grow and uh, I hope everybody goes and follows you on Instagram because yo her content is bomb I'm learning so many things <laughs> that I did not know especially as a new podcast uh creator, influencer, whatever the hell you want to call it. So many things you need to know and you are dropping all the gems. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. 
I hope you guys found this episode super useful. I know I learned a lot talking to Taylor about trademarking and ways that you can protect your business and also your own financial situation. Because let's be honest, the last thing that you want as an online content creator is to be getting sued from somebody who is claiming that you're infringing on their copyright. So educate yourself on the legal aspects of owning a business, and that's going to empower you to take your business to the next level. If you're loving this podcast and you're ready to take your dinero to the next level, make sure you check out the YQD community. This community is a Patreon membership community that gets you exclusive access to the Yo Quiero Dinero Slack group. You get access to Janice and other subscribers to help you accomplish your money goals, plus get free exclusive access to all YQD live events and monthly meetups with Janice and other guests from the podcast. You get a free t-shirt, 50% off private one-on-one coaching, and more. To find out more, head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com and check out our Patreon community subscription options. You can also head over to Patreon.com slash YoQuieroDineroPodcast for more information or go to our Instagram and click on the link in our bio. As a reminder, if you're loving the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast, please make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share. That way, amazing listeners like you can find us too. We want everybody out here being poderosa with their money. And so if they know about us, they can start doing that too. If you don't already follow us on social media, make sure that you follow the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and even TikTok. Yep, we're doing TikToks too. And don't forget to visit the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast blog where you can find episode show notes as well as personal finance articles, news about events, and more. Until next time, guys, stay inspired, stay confident, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.